Welcome to Old Town New World, our podcast here in uh, Millstone Pizza in downtown Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Hey, do we count it off? No. Okay. Today we have a couple of guests here with us on the podcast. Um, I'd like to introduce you to, they are uh, relatively new to this area. One's very new to this area and, and the other may be relatively new to this area. So let's start uh, here and introduce yourselves and uh, tell us uh, what you do here in Old Town. I'm Reverend Tyma Jett. I've been in Rock Hill for five and a half years as the Associate Pastor at First Presbyterian Church. And I'm Dr. John Cole. I'm the pastor at First Presbyterian Church, and I just got here last February. Wow. Yeah, last February. That's not very, a very long time, huh? So what are your initial impressions of, of this little place here? I think it's an exciting time to be part of this place. Um, it's one of the things that attracted me here. Um, our church is kind of strategically located right next to where this brand new Fountain Park is going up right outside our door. And, yeah. uh, uh, which has become sort of emblematic of um, the investment and development that's happening downtown and um, the connection that they're trying to draw between uh, the university and downtown, all of which uh, is attractive to us in this area. I think it's great to see people come in so recently and there's so much energy and things going on. There's so many visions coming to fruition as opposed to us who are a little more jaded, been around a long time. So, so you know, to that question, uh, being here for five years as opposed to some few months here, how much have you, you know, what, what did it feel like when you got here and how do you feel like it has changed or transitioned since it, talking about the downtown, you know? Whenever I got to Rock Hill, one of the reasons I chose it was because it felt like home. It's very similar to the hometown I grew up in. Which is what town? It was in Valdez, North Carolina. Okay. And so it just felt like home. But I've seen the changes that have occurred in the ways in which the town is partnering with the church and other organizations and just really investing in the growth. And it's just been a wonderful experience to be part of. I'm part of Christmasville and serve on the team there. And watching that growth and the excitement grow there has been a great experience as well. So how about, so the town, your, your hometown or whatever, is, is pretty similar to Rock Hill? Correct, except where Rock Hill is continuing to develop their technology and um, industry. My hometown's gone in the opposite direction. Really? With a lot of uh, the t uh, textile companies leaving. Uh, Valdez yeah. is um, really based on t uh, the textile industry. Uh -huh. And with that and the furniture industry all leaving and shutting down, you've seen a lot of people moving out of that and so oh. the growth and the development there has really gone the opposite way so I have two versions to compare yeah. you know Rock Hill versus where I grew up well you know uh, well before you got here in Rock Hill in the 80s all of our textile mills left and went to Mexico and they employed 25 percent of the population of the city and it was a radical I mean it decimated the economy and the city has really jumped in to figure out what does our economy look like next? So that's what we talk about that all the time, kind of the, the village economy uh, of people coming together in a, in a revitalizing downtown and providing services. And, and you know, the organization that you guys work in and represent is part of the fabric of the community. Um, and it has service jobs in it, of course, but it plays 
more than a role than than just providing the service jobs that exist within the church. I mean, so how can you speak to the how the church itself can function in the social fabric of a revitalizing village? You know. You know that's actually well embedded in our church's history here in Rock Hill. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was asked to speak at the dedication of the historic marker for 100 years at Oakland Avenue Presbyterian, just down the street here by Winthrop, because we are their parent church. And 100 years ago, they decided to uh, move down the street to start this church next to Winthrop to establish a link between our downtown church and the university. So oh, wow. it's very interesting that today, the city is trying to do exactly the same thing uh, in building this village that you're speaking of. Uh, but even more than that, I think it's uh, uh, the opportunity to pull families back into a community setting. There are other uh, small towns in the orbit of Charlotte, for example, that are basically getting taken over and becoming more or less a, uh, suburbs or bedroom communities. And we have a lot of commuters there, but one of the things I love about this community is it's got its own identity. Yeah. in the midst of that. And I think uh, uh, we love our interstate exchange franchises that are out there for everyone to shop at, but at the same time, having reasons for people to come in and experience more um, local and small town feel in the midst of that is kind of refreshing. So, yeah. Now you moved here from Orlando yes, before, sir. right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, and very recently, so like, mm -hmm. Don't talk about Disney World, dude. I'm not going to talk. We already talked about it before. The, we talked about it. When I got it out before the podcast, so it wouldn't get awkward. Um, but seriously, about Disney World. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Disney yeah. World. Um, but as far as like Orlando and a big city like that, yeah. uh, can you can you speak about any kind of changes that you've seen since since your time there and and changes there and what and what it feels like you know differences here and sort of what what is be it through at the church or just the community at large what have you seen happening in Orlando over I don't, how long were you in Orlando uh, I was just in Orlando a few years I'm a Daytona uh, Beach native Daytona so I'm Beach. from the okay. area uh, okay. and, uh, and so I've seen a lot over yeah. 30 40 years in uh, in that area and um, uh, what what's been interesting to me was you sort of had this flight to the suburbs and now more and more you're having people reclaiming those uh, smaller neighborhood, those neighborhoods within Orlando. When I moved there from Daytona to serve the church, uh, uh, one of the main things I was concerned about was traffic and getting around and all these other things. What I found was people who actually live in neighborhoods and do yeah. things, there are villages within this larger city. Right. Uh, then, and then there are the attractions and all that stuff out there that you just stayed away from if you were a native, you know, because it, it would overwhelm you. Um, so uh, in, in some ways, what I see us developing here, even in major metropolitan areas, you see um, networks of villages within metropolitan areas. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. look at, um, I saw this great uh, uh, TED mm -hmm. video on this concept, and I can't remember the guy's name, Kent something, I know, but he showed these maps of these old towns in Germany like a thousand years ago, and it was how far you could walk from a well, and it was that circle, that, uh, that one mile radius circle, and then if you look over um, uh, Paris and you look over New York, Manhattan, you see that same one mile radius. Uh, or half mile radius, one mile diameter, whatever, half mile radius, 
these circles within the circle there's everything you need there's shopping living yeah. eating it's this the village and then you move over and you're in a different circle you know mm -hmm. so those villages seem to revolve around having some center yes. you know and you're talking about um moving things out of the suburbs mm -hmm. you know one thing we did is compartmentalize our culture to where you know you got you got shopping out here and you got mm -hmm. living out here and you have hospitals out here and and so uh, I was wondering if you see the same history with the church where okay we go out yes. there to worship we go out there to shop and and how the village is the integration of those things whether it's you know Christian church or whatever type of worship it's the integrating worship back in the daily experience weekly experience you know you open it up for me I can bring this back to Disney for you just because <laughs> because one of the things that Disney did a while back was try to create that kind of village they have a little community called celebration there and uh, one of the first things that they wanted to do in celebration was have a church at the, at the center of that place. And it happens to be a Presbyterian church, my, part of my denomination. That's a, so there is Celebration Presbyterian Church there where they started as, as sort of one of those foundational pieces of creating that village. Um, and uh, that's one of the things that uh, we have in mind building um, at First Presbyterian downtown in the heart of what's going on here. That is cool. Mm -hmm. The youth programs that you um, are are working, you guys are working on at your church. I mean, I guess that's a that would be a fundamental core part of the future of this village is to get young people with children and those children to be a functional part of this village concept. Is that? Yeah, what you, what you used to see is people go church shopping in a sense. Right. And so they're looking for the church that has the best programs for their children, whatever age they are. Now you're starting to see a shift where people want a church home that has a family connection too. And so they're wanting to invest in a church like First Presbyterian that has family connections, but also they can raise their children from birth on up. And multi-generation. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you have this group who are now coming and investing in the church that are the younger families with children. And they're looking for a neighborhood church that is surrounded by a community like Rock Hill. And talk about the impact social media has had on your efforts in the, in the life of the church, too, because it's exploded. I love the ways in which we communicate mm -hmm. have changed over the past 10 years I've been working in the church, especially with young families. Originally it was, you know, paper newsletters that you'd send out or postcards, and now it's all uh, Facebook invites or sign-up genius, those type of things in which you're getting the young families involved with, whether it's from signing up for, to work in the nursery on a Sunday morning or taking meals to someone or even like the pancake breakfast that we had a few weeks ago with Christmasville. So we're just putting those things out through social media now and you get a bigger response. Even our newsletters now are no longer print versions. They're all going out through uh, multimedia. And just continuing the conversations from events. People put up pictures from the events and there's comments going on. It just continues the conversation. And so I guess what I noticed uh, is that that the village is multi-layered. I mean, it's it's physical here um, and rooted in this uh, downtown community, but it's but it continues on after they go home uh, in cyberspace. I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's not just the physical village. It's uh, yeah, exactly. No, and also with uh, Dr. Cole moving here recently, 
we put all of our sermons online and things like that so the community that he moved from is able to keep uh, connection with him as well and watch you know his sermons on Sunday and you'll see comments on Facebook or other uh, other social media sites where they're staying connected that way as well that's cool yeah that's interesting because like you know I think about how I grew up in a church and I definitely had a compartmentalized I had like church friends and I had school friends and they never really bled over a lot you know but I guess with what you're talking about with like social media and all that it seems like way more just the entire experience of the church and it, everything sort of existing you know I mean Facebook there isn't like a church Facebook I assume you know <laughs> it's one Facebook you know so it's like and I, and I imagine in general the sort of communication and social networking age uh, in that way impacts as far as the, the church life or whatever being you know more for more easily easy more easily uh integrated with all of someone's life i guess or whatever yeah. that's that's a good point yeah. and part of the intention of the church is creating events and activities that our young families can bring their friends to that are fun events in which people who've never been to church before can get into the door, experience church without it being a threatening environment if they've never been to worship before. Mm -hmm. And so we have events like uh, our trunk or treat or Easter egg hunt, something like that, and our pancake breakfast, anything like that to get people in the door, experience right. church first. And the different social media sites have helped with that because they can invite their friends right. and put it out there, share their pictures. Yeah, and everything's tagged. Interesting. And so, how long how long have you been a pastor? Uh, since '97. I was I was a lawyer before then. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm curious. Uh, because of the internet and technology, it's and it being in, in smartphones and it's everything the internet does is a constant part of our lives, and that's had a major impact on pretty much every part of everyone's life, you know. And I know, like, I'm a, I'm a huge movie nerd, so I go to the movies all the time. And I have like watched the way people watch movies make it, it change so much. And I know it's based on these sort of mental perspectives that people have that have changed. And so the way they interact with the world has changed. What have you seen in the church and the way people worship and stuff? Have, have their attitudes changed? And how has that affected the way people worship? Everything's real time. Okay. It, uh, uh, when's the last time you got a call on our landline at the church? <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it's our lives operate through our iPhones, of course, uh, and um, and so it's it's really almost like a stream of consciousness uh, um, ongoing. Um, you know, in the New Testament, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. That has a whole new meaning to me now. <laughs> it's just constant interaction with our congregation. Um, uh, on a daily basis, at any time of day, any time of night, you're never gonna—you wow. never know when a text is gonna come up or things yeah. like that. I can't imagine what my old profession, the law, is like now when clients yeah. can access you that much. Right. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, all of that's real, and and I think because of that, one of the things that I've noticed in ministry has been a longing for people to have some of that groundedness, because it it is so on all the time. And, and that's one of the things we try to provide uh, in this connection between church and, and downtown. Uh, we have a men's group that's just been booming that comes out on Thursday nights. Uh, 
start at the church, have a little Bible study, and then go right down the street to McHale's and grab a beer and watch some football. You know, so so they're always getting that connection between uh, town and church uh, and everything that they do, and and that keeps them grounded. That's cool because you know that's a recurring theme here is Mm -hmm. is accessibility. One of the less obvious advantages of accessibility is it takes like you're talking about people constantly contacting you for whatever reason. but one of the sort of hidden strengths of that is that not only does it give people access to answers and questions, I think it probably challenges people to think of questions and to think of things that they're seeking for that they may not have otherwise. For it, There's almost a complacency you get from not having access or access yes. being less convenient, you know? Yes. And so if you have, con- it's like the way we talk about, like, it's so much about the internet doesn't say, well, things are, it, it, we go from things being okay and functioning constantly being well yeah but what like a day a day remus is a site that we do that challenges the question what would you do with with a a building or whatever you know and so there's tons and tons of people out there who who have had ideas for what to do with buildings for years but it's also really exciting to say anyone who visits this site is going to ask themselves well you know what would i do and like i love i was a horrible uh, student in school always made bad grades but i loved um assignments where I was challenged to think of something. What I love the question, what would you do? So my favorite questions in the world, and I think technology in general has brought that question up so much more. And like I think what you're talking you're, you're being constantly contacted by the, your congregation because they're constantly probably thinking like, hmm, you know, I wonder what I could ask him yeah. or, you know, and I think that. Yeah, and a part of that has been uh, one of the ways that uh, both Chip and Ty uh, created some innovation for us was a, a teaser uh, for the sermon each week uh, that raised some cool. those perplexing questions so yeah. that people would begin to think about it. They'd hear the sermon on Sunday and then the conversation would continue after that. Uh, you know, I'd get another text or an email where somebody said, uh, uh, I was talking to a coworker today about what you said yesterday and, and we were wondering, what do you think about this? And, and so as you're saying, yeah, it's, it's a, the, the conversation continues, the questions continue to be raised. Yeah, and that's yeah. a key component to, sorry, just that, that mm-hmm. as far as technology, a lot of people are afraid that technology will make us complacent. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a key component that, that technology also challenges us to say, yeah, but what, you know, what if and what would you do and it opens up possibilities in that way. And that's been a shift in culture for mm-hmm. people in the church because they're not used to being able to contact either one of us 24 hours a day and so now that they're realizing that they can they walk out of a bible study or uh, worship on sunday and they're like oh but i had this question about the sermon or something that was said and now they're emailing or texting us their questions and the conversation just continues from there and so they're shifting their mind their own mindset because of that and it's allowing us to do more that's awesome. Well, you know, um, the the negative sides of compartmentalized um, society where, you know, you go out there to work and you go, that's I grew up in, in that type of world, you know. It's like, you know, it's like on Sunday you drive out to where the church is and you do the church thing and then the rest of your life is secular and it's away from, you know. Then on Saturday you drive out to where the shopping is and, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, during the week you drive out to where the school is, you know. So, but this village concept, you know, you walk to school and you shop and you hang out. Like you're saying, you know, you have a Bible study and then you walk down to the bar and hang out watch the football game. All that integration is a great thing to bring the church and the village together. But anytime you have integration, I wouldn't even say but, I would say and. Anytime you have integration, you have um, diversity, and I think diversity is a good thing. And so one question I have um, is when you bring secular 
and uh, church together, and you also bring in diversity, then you bring in other forms of worship, you bring in other religions, and, and you know, it seems like, y'all seem like very collaborative folks, your organization seems extremely collaborative with the city, the village is all about um, diversity and exploration and whatnot, so what, where does, how does the church uh, balance the ideas of, well, you know, uh, kind of the institutional ideas of, of the path that the church is based upon, with embracing the uh, diversity of the village. Uh, so, so if you can speak to that, it would be yes. fascinating. Uh, I love that. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> but, um, you talk about some of those developments that I noticed in Central Florida, where the population boomed for most of my life. Uh, and churches moved out to the suburbs, and they took on a whole different meaning from that village church, which was to be the all-encompassing church that where you could make all the contacts you needed, they had all the sports leagues you needed, and they actually were pulling people out of community uh, to the church being their whole universe. Um, that is a, a model that runs directly opposite to how I like to see the church function, because you often hear uh, our faith spoken of as being in but not of the world. Um, there's another preposition that I like to use. It's also during the world. It's happening at the same time as the world. It's entering into other stories, other narratives that are going on all around us. And, um, and to be able to um, witness the present in the midst of that is a, is a very important part of our identity and who we are. And, and I don't think we can separate those two things. So I think we, we're enriched by that diversity and we grow from it. Yeah. You know, we talk we talked about uh, on the podcast before about the idea of the third place, which mm-hmm. is like you know your work and home, and then you have the third place. And historically, that has been the church, mm-hmm. and that's why in the church was this. It wasn't just the place of worship; it was completely the social hub. And yes. for historically, it was the only place that people had. They went and there was music there, and they they socialized there, you yes. know. And and um, and it's funny that's and the, the honky tonk yes. and the honky tonk. Then yeah. they invented the honky tonk. <laughs> And then and, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus was present <laughs> at the inception. Yeah, that's um, decades later. But yeah, that's why I think it's it's you know it's funny that uh, you were talking about I, did, I didn't realize the celebration had a church in the center because yes. I know that was that was a runoff from Walt Disney's original idea for the experimental prototype community mm-hmm. of tomorrow, which would have a core of the workplace, yes. and then everything would be built like an onion around that where you would live here, and then you would entertainment here or whatever. And it's interesting that they. When that was no longer a functional thing for the town of celebration, they picked a church yes. instead, and that's that's interesting. To and me. a lot of the uh, Disney engineers are members at Celebration. It's oh, uh, it's uh, funny, but um, they when they d- planned it, they said they were going to have pictures of famous Presbyterians around the narthex of the church before you go in. So I'm thinking John Calvin, John Knox, people like that. Actually, you go in there. There's Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Stewart, oh, and the, you know, <laughs> 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 Mr. Rogers. I'm impressed. <laughs> the Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Actually, Mr. Rogers is awesome. Huh? Yeah, he really was, yeah. <laughs> we're not making fun of Mr. Rogers. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely I check not. out if we're doing that. <laughs> well, um, you know, you were also talking about, um, we were also talking about living uh, it, it's part in part of that village and that environment. And, um, you know, I live. We, we had a whole episode, a whole podcast episode on where we live one time. And I actually live out in York, in a neighborhood. And I have a community there, strong roots in a community there. 
But I don't really have a walk. I mean, I walk around my neighborhood. I ride bikes with the kids around the neighborhood. But I don't have a mixed village walkable. I can go downtown, but they're separated. And so I always, you know, love the idea of moving into this mixed uh, uh, urban space. And I know we were talking about potential of, uh, of living there. So I, if you would describe kind of your where y'all live, what it, what it looks like in terms of this neighborhood, and what, and, and what you see as being uh, the good and bad of that, and, and how that can be around the... I actually have lived for the past 11 years in Indian land. Okay. So, uh, and I've been able to serve many different churches living in one place, which is kind of unique. Yeah. But uh, it takes me about 40 minutes to get from where I live to the church every day and there's not a direct uh, route for me to take. I'm having to weave all the way through Fort Mill and different back roads to get here. And so it's nice whenever I get to Rock Hill, everything is here yeah. and it's accessible. And I find myself doing more and more here while I'm at church on a weekly basis and then going home and everything's done and I'm just there yeah. until I come back again. So. It's more compartmentalized, like it you is. were saying. And in the Indian land, when I visited down there, that whole area reminds me of Florida, the Florida I grew up in, where all these uh, houses just boomed up everywhere, yeah, these yeah. massive residential yeah. communities uh, um, where people went home, and they did have neighborhoods where they could run and walk and play with the kids and stuff, but it was completely uh, separate from yeah. where their workspace was and where all those things. It's are, like you, you know. leave you leave the secular or the sacred world and you go out to the neighborhood world. It's like the you're in the protection of the neighborhood world separate from the rest of the world. I mean we this neighborhood that we live in has it's kind of a cross a hybrid in, in, in that it has kind of a you're in a neighborhood but it's a real old neighborhood that's kinda of integrated with the with the town just because it was one of the older neighborhoods. And so it's got the old trees and it's got the all different size kind of houses. You know, it's not all house of one kind of kind because they had to build them that way in the last 30 years because who's your target market and who. And so it's like houses that are all within this range and this range price-wise, you know, this is all, there's real rundown places. They're really nice places. They're all in kind of the same neighborhood. But since it has all these different entrances and it's integrated, there's issues around well, do I let my 10-year-old just go off riding his bike? I mean, I'm not going to, you know. I don't know where the, the entrances to the neighborhood are. There's all different kinds of people walking through there or whatever. And it's not that if everybody makes the same amount of money, then they should all trust each other or not trust each other, whatever. And it's, that's not the point. It's just it seems so not contained. And so these neighborhoods, uh, like one that I grew up in in the second half of my childhood, was such a contained neighborhood that it was seemed like a safe environment to just cut loose in and ride around on your bikes and play in the woods and come back to the house. It seems so much safer in a way. And I wonder how much that is a, a false perception because of that bubble, feeling like you're in a bubble. Or if there's validity to that safety. And you live out, you live in one, a neighborhood that seems safe in that sense. It does, yes. But for us, we're finding that we have two small children and so they're wanting Part of their world to be in Indian land, we do a lot of stuff there, but also part of their world is here in Rock Hill where they're involved with their church friends, church basketball league, uh, different service projects, that kind of thing. And so they live in two, two different worlds sometimes, the safe bubble of our uh, 
neighborhood, but also the safe bubble that's created at the church with their friends and the community that's there. Yeah. And so it's a unique dynamic for them growing up because those worlds are sometimes very different. Absolutely. And, it, and it's not to get all preachy on you, but to me it's, <laughs> it's a little ironic that here we, we worship this God that we believe came into the world into the midst of the world in, in, in all of its diversity and all of its messiness and embraced it. And uh, we've been peddling a church model that tries to pull people out of that world and sanitize them from it and keep them away from it. it just doesn't yeah, seem. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> just one of the good things about being a church that's in downtown Rock Hill mm -hmm. is because there are so many things that we can become involved with to help the church grow and to help the community grow as well, from helping feed uh, the hungry to inviting people in our doors to live for a week. We participate in Family Promise. Wow. And so we have, once every few months, families come in and they live within our church. We're providing them meals, a place to live, a place to take showers, and a safe community. Yeah. And then our members are partaking in that too, and they're growing in their own faith, but yet they're partaking in the community and helping uh, build up and provide these families a safe place and get back on their feet so that they can go out into the community and be, thrive as well. That's awesome. I think that the, to the extent that we can have functioning organizations and institutions that embrace the village and participate in the village, you know, and, and work to do good things is, is to the extent that we can all be successful and happy. You know, it's amazing um, because a lot, of the, a lot of the churches that are down here, that have been down here for a long time, downtown used to be a pretty dormant place. And, and these churches, you know, there's a, it was pretty racially divided. You know, the churches right here in downtown were white churches and then, you know, the black churches were somewhere else. And, uh, but this was the, kind of the racial divide of town right here with the, when they had the town center mall. And, and so you had this phenomenon where uh, that I saw growing up, where down Oakland Avenue, with, uh, up, up into downtown, where you had the wealthier white churches uh, versus the poorer black churches that were elsewhere. It's like this part of town didn't have many wealthy white folk in it, except on Sunday, <laughs> when they'd all come in and come to church, but yet be in a bubble from the environment that they were surrounded by, and then all drive back out to the suburbs after church was over, and hit, hit a restaurant on the way out. And then, you know, so I just love to see the institution that seemed to me as a young person to be uh, sheltering itself, or like you said, removing itself from the environment, uh, be an integral part of the positive development of the village. You know what I mean? It's, it's really exciting, I think. Well, with any growth, you've got social issues that start to emerge that need help being dealt with and that's part of the way the church can become involved Absolutely. is that we can get our members involved in helping with these social issues whether it is um, hunger or homelessness uh, children education whatever those can, might be the church can become involved and help the community grow and yeah. anything you want to add to that yeah uh, this is a minor thing but um we're in the process of developing our new church logo, which is uh, actually the first the first part of our name is 
is designed in such a way that it's it's a fountain. Uh, again, to connect with that sort of symbol that we're developing of downtown, but also with some strong theological images of living water and baptism and things like that as well. So, um, and having that giant fountain across the street from you is going to fit exactly. it nicely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was the idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. As, as he knows, baptism is one of those things that I studied a lot in seminary. And the concept behind baptism is that you become part of the family and the church family community takes and makes a covenant with the parents and the child to raise that child in this community and they become surrogate aunts, uncles, and grandparents. And you're not only making that commitment to the child, but you're also making it to all the children yeah. that are out there. And so you're embracing those who you may be able to count the freckles on their face, but you're also embracing the ones who you can't count the freckles mm -hmm. on their face. So yeah. you're making a commitment to the children in our community as and well. That goes back, that's beautiful because it goes back to what I was saying in my mind um, and these are, of course, biased uh, experiences that I've had in my life or in my perception, but whereas that joining of the church family, uh, when, when you have that segregated, compartmentalized society, it's almost like you're joining something that's separate. It's like yes. you're, you're being pulled out of the fabric of the community and into this church family versus the version that y'all seem to be bringing forth and mm -hmm. probably other people too is it's about embracing the community yes. itself, you know, which is fantastic. So. Building community has been one of the biggest things that has helped the growth of uh, the church recently because people, whenever they come in, they have that sense of community and they want to be part of something. And whenever they come down to Rock Hill, they have that same sense of community, so they want to be part of whatever's going on in downtown Rock Hill. And you watch the young families that are coming to the church also wanting to stay in the area and become part of the community and so they're getting more involved in things in the community whether it's a 5k run or participating in a Habitat for Humanity or even just going down to Kinch's and eating. Church yes. member, gotta give him a plug. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And so you know you find yourself meeting people a lot of times not on Sunday mornings in the church but in the community, in different contexts, whether it's breakfast at Kinch's with uh, people from the city or um, at the Yoke, somewhere like that. So your meetings are not taking place anymore just on Sunday mornings. They're taking place all the time within the community, and so the community is weaving itself into what we do every day. Do y'all know um, Andy Stager? I've heard the name. I need to introduce y'all to him. He um, he has a, they have a church, he and his wife. Um, well, it's the Cordial Churchmen is the name of their actually bow tie business, I think. But, uh, but or I, I get confused. I apologize. I'm misstating this. I have to tell Andy to listen to this podcast and correct me. But, <laughs> but um, they move around. Uh, they'll have it in people's houses. They have it up here in this building here, and it's it's so speaks to that integrated experience, you know. And so whereas you guys are kind of taking a established building a church, an institution, and turning a large corner, he's, he's got this agile freedom to, you know, go from house to house, and, but it's very similar in this idea of being integrated in the community, you know, so it's, I see it as, as a lot of people's minds turning towards the creation and perpetuation of the, of the integrated village, you know, I keep coming back to that. So. Absolutely, and uh, basically he's building on the old 
New Testament concept of a house church, uh, going from place to place, and or the tabernacle church back in the Old Testament, that uh, um, the church on the move, uh, which is really an important part of our tradition. Uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, I think what we're a little more connected with uh, in that sense is the idea of um, public theology, uh, uh, having having a place in the heart of the city uh, as one of those other central locations where people gather. So the importance of the physical space yeah. itself, yeah. In the history, you know, it's a church that goes back to the 1860s. And, you know. That's great. Well, we really appreciate you guys being Thank on. You. This yes. is fun. Yeah, it's wonderful to, to get to know you better, and um, I, 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 I'm very impressed with what, what you guys are doing and, um, you know, the history of the building that you guys are in, the importance of the institution in the fabric of our society and in the, the future of our community, the development of our village. It's just, it would be a shame for the church to not be a part of what's happening in downtown and in these beautiful churches if they were just had bubbles all over them and they were sheltered from what's happening that would be a shame we yeah. made a choice here yeah. uh, in in our church when all those problems were going through downtown this predates both me and ty uh made a decision that uh we might be able to grow we might be more viable moving out to one of those growing residential communities but this is our identity. This is where we stand in the life of this community. So it is a big part of our identity. You know, I just want to say thank you to you guys. And um, uh, I hope that we will continue to see you here at Millstone. We'll see sure. you downtown. Let's stay in touch. And um, yes. let us know what you guys are up to over at the church. And we'll do the same. And, um, and any last words? That's it. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week on Old Town, New World.